Welcome to episode 70 of the Amanda Wagner podcast, the place for fiercely ambitious entrepreneurs and leaders who want to get off the sidelines, build a legacy and claim their spotlight. In this episode, we are talking about advice, getting it, giving it and actually using it. We're going to share a little bit about how we give advice in our roles with clients as well as on stage. We're going to share how we set ourselves up for success when it comes to either dishing out or taking advice. We're going to dig into the idea of being addicted to advice and how sometimes it prevents us from trusting our guts. And as always, we are going to wrap up the episode with a question for you to help you figure out what advice you actually need without asking anybody for feedback. I'm Amanda Wagner, a business strategist, coach, and professional speaker. And I'm Liz Pittman, a digital communications specialist. The Amanda Wagner podcast is the place for ambitious leaders and entrepreneurs who are done shopping for shortcuts, no longer waiting for an invitation to do what they want, and are ready to claim their spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and triumphs of ambition and bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically in a noisy world, and share our experiences as entrepreneurs with big ambition. So every two weeks, we publish a podcast with our big ideas, responses to what we've seen, heard, and read, and we share our own experiences. It is no surprise that when we put ourselves out there and share these things, we are offering advice or it's interpreted as us giving advice. Even if we never explicitly say, here is this piece of advice, I want you to take it, it is what we are doing. And that comes with a certain degree of responsibility. I will tell you that I often feel really uncomfortable giving advice without a big flashing caveat of, you do not have to take this. You will often hear me say in my Zoom room with clients or when I'm on stage, I am one person with one opinion, and this is what I think. I am not writing a prescription of what you need to do or what you should do, but I bring to the table a certain level of expertise and experience that I'm open to sharing, but I acknowledge that it's not the right way for everyone. Liz, you're nodding your head along here. You very much know what it's like to to be the quote unquote expert in the room and giving some advice. Tell me where you where you feel on this. Well, when you started kind of diving into that, I just thought of the word disclaimer. Like I always feel like there's a disclaimer or an asterisk uh, attached to everything cuz you do you. You live your life. I'm here to to guide you. I almost think of, of going to a yoga class where they say, I'm here to offer suggestions. This is what I've planned for class, but you can do whatever you want. I'm just your guide for, for this journey. You know how great I feel about the word journey. Uh, <laughs> as cheesy as it is, you're absolutely right. I am the guide. And in teaching, we used to use the language of, are you the sage on the stage or the guide? on the side. And I think in, in our roles, we're often the guide on the side, but you're right. It comes with that disclaimer or with, with that caveat of, but I'm, I can't guarantee that it's going to work. And so that's always a challenging position to be in. So when it comes to giving advice, there are, is often a big asterisk that comes with I'm going to offer this advice because the last thing I want is for somebody to take it and have it not work and be blamed for it. So that's where the level of responsibility comes in here. Now, I want to believe that every person listening to this or engaging with information can filter through that, but I also know how easy it is 
to just want somebody's step-by-step guide. We want to know what somebody did and how do we do it so that we guarantee that we aren't going to have as many failures or any bumps in the road we'll be able to plan for and predict. And that's not realistic. So when it comes to actually needing advice, Liz and I have an interesting role where because we can be seen as advice givers, we also have a feeling of what feels good, what's appropriate and what's not. And when it comes to receiving advice, I put myself in a position of first, what do I actually want to hear? And second, the big one is who am I asking? I have some clients, I have some friends who ask everyone and anyone for their opinion before they make decisions. And they will solicit advice from five or 10 different people, read a bunch of articles. And in my opinion, by the time it comes to actually make the decision, they have far too much information and they either stay in this paralysis or they do what they thought they would do at the beginning. Sometimes we solicit feedback and advice simply to ground ourselves in what the actual decision is. It's like flipping a coin. The idea being that you flip a coin and as it's up in the air, you pay attention to that gut feeling of what you really want the answer to be. I think that soliciting opinions from too many places is a really creative way to procrastinate actually moving forward. I also think it's a way of seeking the answer that you want. When it comes to needing advice, and like I said, I'm an expert in some things, but not everything. I need a fair amount of advice on different things. I love to go to the source. Who is the best person for this? Liz, when you are looking for advice, is there any criteria that you use to help you find what you need? Yeah, similar to you, they need some sort of expertise or need to understand where I'm coming from, as opposed to me talking to absolutely everyone in my circle who may not have the same perspective as me or doesn't look through things as the same through the same lens as me. I need to chat with someone who truly gets the problem I'm facing. I also think we have to get better at asking for advice. So again, it's finding that person or those people who I know I can trust with this particular issue. But the second piece, and this really leans into the idea of don't ask, don't get, is what are you actually asking for? Because there are times when I'm like, I need you to hear me out. There are times when I'm like, I need a solution or I need specific feedback on X, Y, Z part. So part of it is also on me as the asker to figure out what type of advice am I looking for? I find it is most frustrating in my professional life when somebody will come to me and just present an issue, present a challenge or a problem. And I always feel like a bit of an asshole, but I go back and I'm like, what are you looking for from me? Do you want me to solve your problem? Do you want me to hear you out so you can vent? I will be honest that my inclination is to solve the problem. And sometimes that actually holds me and others back because I jump into problem solving mode and I'll go through and I'll solve this problem. And the person will just say, okay. And then I realize I've put all this energy into something and really they just needed to vent. So as somebody giving and asking for advice, 
I'm always really specific. I'm looking for help with X, Y, Z, or I don't want you to say this and this and this. Interestingly, I find this a lot with my one-on-one strategy clients is that having somebody to just talk it out with means I can often solve the problem on my own. If I just have that space. So when I want to set myself up for success, when I need advice, I'm strategic about who I ask. I make sure I'm asking for the right thing. And I like the idea of putting either a timeline or some type of closure on it, because I like to be able to say, here's my issue. I have this person work it out with me, talk it out with me, provide support or space, and then say, here's what I intend to do next. There is that commitment piece. And the idea of the commitment is that it prevents me from soliciting 50 more opinions from strangers and from having wasted that person's time. Liz, have you had the experience when you've been asked for advice and then regard, like the person might take it, the person might not, but you find out three weeks later, they're still spinning on it and you feel like your time has been wasted. Either they're still spinning on it or I talked to someone else in my circle and they were also approached and it was like, could we just have had a group conversation here? Because this feels like you've gone to everybody you know and you've asked them the same question. And because you continue to go to more people for advice, not only are you procrastinating, uh, you are making the advice givers uh, feel like the advice that we offered maybe wasn't helpful. And maybe the next time you come for advice, will be less willing to give it. Uh, so there needs to be, uh, I don't want to say mutually beneficial, but there needs to be, uh, there needs to be something in it for both people. And that advice giver needs to feel like their advice does matter and is valued. Otherwise, how impactful will the advice be the next time? Exactly. Again, you don't always have to take my advice, but at least give me some kind of, here's what I'm going to do next. Because I've also had this feeling where I'm like, oh, you asked 10 other people. If I had known that, I might not have invested in the same way. And I I think that somebody listening to this might be like, well, that's kind of an asshole move. You would change the advice you were given if you were being asked amongst other people. It's not necessarily that I would change my advice, but sometimes when people ask for things, I will sit down, I will map it out, or I will record a video or find resources for people. And then I end up feeling a little bit used if I don't know what that person is looking for. So in an effort to make sure that it's not just a them problem and I'm just placing blame on somebody else. It's also my responsibility to dig into what that person is looking for and set my own boundary on how much am I really willing to dedicate to this? So somebody came to me the other day and said, Oh, what do you prefer this or this? And it was sort of out of the blue. And I thought, well, I could give a long winded answer about which one I think and why I think that, Or first I could clarify, are you looking for a quick answer or do you want my rationale? And in that case, it was a, it was a quick answer. I think that clarification is really important because I think, and I, I, 
I imagine there are people listening to this podcast and they have a person or people in mind, a friend that comes to them for advice all the time, someone who works in the business who comes to them and asks for advice. And they come to you over and over and over again, looking for support and you continue to offer it. And then you see what they do and it seems like they ignored your advice. So I like that clarification, almost giving you yourself as the advice giver to have a little bit of a script. Also, the advice seeker needs to have that script as well. But if we can uh, lay some parameters in there, I feel like both parties will be just a little bit happier. And that's the interesting piece. It's like, yes, we want to give advice to help people, but there is a mood element to this of like, we can both be happier if we have some agreement of what we're trying to do here. One question that I use a lot in my coaching and strategy work, and I find that this can help clarify things, is that I will explicitly ask people sometimes, are you open to my feedback? And that can also set us up for what type of conversation is this going to be? I I realize that I'm flipping back between advice giver and advice getter, and I don't intend for that to be confusing. Instead, my intention is that in order to be empathetic to both sides, I keep putting myself in the other person's position going, when I'm giving advice, I want to know that it's useful. I want to know that I'm helping you solve your problem or I'm giving you space to experience it. And as an advice getter, I also want to take on some of the responsibility to say, I need to ask for exactly what I need. I need to know ahead of time if I'm open for feedback, if I'm open to ideas, or if I just want somebody to hear me vent. So I understand that the flipping back and forth might sound challenging, but it's because this issue really is. The podcast topic today comes from a couple places. It comes from feeling burnt and used by giving out tons of free advice and helping certain people in my life with, with different things, not in a a client professional relationship, but in a friend relationship. But it also comes from really sitting back and looking at, you know, I'm speaking to wider audiences. I'm meeting more and more people. How do I make sure that I protect myself as somebody who is bringing up a big idea and has to make sure that I am not at risk of letting somebody down or making a guarantee that I actually can't make. So the the idea of, of giving and getting advice, they go hand in hand. Now, to me, the ultimate challenge here is not getting addicted to advice. A good friend of mine mentioned in a podcast that she was part of that somebody pointed out to her that she may be a self-help junkie, that she loved the idea of looking from book to book or article or article or professional to professional to get the right answer or always feeling like they need help. And I see, Liz, I see you thinking about this idea. What comes up for you before we continue? That's just so interesting in that I am not like that at all. I think people come to me for advice all the time. That's just the kind of person I am. Both of my parents are like that. We are advice givers. But when I think about how often I seek advice, it's hardly ever. Like I do research when it's necessary. I will refer to the odd expert, but in no way 
is it an overwhelming addicted to advice kind of thing? So I just, and this is my fascinated face is, is thinking about it from that perspective. Is that because, and I, I don't know if you've put any thought into this, illuminate us. Is that because you trust your gut so intensely, which I know you do, or is it something else? I mean, I have five reasons coming to mind of what it might be, but before I plant any. No, I think, I think it's because I trust my guts. I'm confident in my abilities and I'm confident and know where my abilities lack. So then that's when I will go to the one or two people that I tend to, to trust, but otherwise I keep it, I keep it to just me. And that's kind of how I've always been. If I've had big decisions to make and I need advice, I go to you, I go to my partner, but for the most part, it's, it's just me. Do you think it's because you are incredibly confident or do you think it's because you're private or some combination of the two? It's probably both. Mm -hmm. There's, there's, I would imagine there's probably elements of both there. But yeah, that's just kind of the way that I've always been. And that's, it's become more and more that way as I've gotten older too. Mm -hmm. And I think that as we get older and more experienced, there is that level of confidence. Like I know I will definitely ask fewer people, right? I will come to you, same Robin, or maybe one or two other people, but again, strategically chosen. But I think it's interesting, this idea of being so inundated with self-help and always improving. I actually don't necessarily attribute it to a lack of confidence. I actually think it's a habit. I think there is so much that we can look at that it feels like we're supposed to. Before I make a decision, I'm supposed to solicit opinions. I should read X number of articles first. I should find this many experts. And I wonder if that is making us trust our guts a little bit less. I think something for me too is I am self-assured and I'm, I'm confident, but I think I'm also impatient. I just want to do the thing. I don't want to talk to a hundred people. I don't want to research. I don't want to gather data. I just want to F and do it, you know? Yes. Thank you for this perspective. I'm sitting going like, well, Liz has got it all figured out. She's confident. She's self-assured. <laughs> Liz knows it all. I, I'm of course poking fun in a, in a loving and friendly way, but I think that's absolutely it. I don't have time to waste. I need to make a call. Yeah. I don't want to despair over this. I just want to get on with it. I had a client this morning and we agonized over, do I make this decision or this decision? And this person says, I'm an overthinker. If I do it this way, if I do it back and forth, back and forth. And finally I said, you know, you do one thing or the other. We have to make a decision. Each are going to have their own challenges and successes and repercussions, but what's worse is staying stuck. And we've talked before on the podcast of this idea of straddle energy, where it's like, I'm straddling one side, I'm straddling the other, and I'm continuing to go back and forth and back and forth. And that ends up wasting more time and more energy than actually just making the decision. I've been this person. And it's only in the last couple of years that I've built some confidence with not having to look up advice for every single thing that I do. I can see people as experts and I can agree with their advice or I can agree with what their big idea is, but I don't necessarily have to take it every single time. I joke about how sometimes you can tell a person that's only read chapter one of the self-help books 
And I just imagine this person having 20 different self-help books and reading chapter one, which is all about you are empowered, you are in charge, you are the leader, you make your own decisions, this very raw, raw, empowerment heavy speech. And then they don't read chapter two, which is often and you are accountable for your behavior. (laughs) And you have to be responsible for the decisions that you make. So you can see people who really thrive in this, I can do whatever the hell I want, but forget the second piece, which is how do I actually behave in that way? How do I make sure I'm accountable for my own behavior? And maybe there are some flaws here. So when it comes to self-help, we aren't taking a position on it. It's not a, you have to do it, you don't have to do it. But I think it's worth pointing out that self-help is another version of advice and can be another way to procrastinate. Like Liz says, sometimes I don't solicit feedback simply because I don't have that kind of time. I have done this before. Well, I will, I will send a proposal to one person who I typically send proposals to. And she's absolutely amazing because she will say, do you need this back tonight or do we have a couple days? And it really makes me sit back and go, okay, nope, I need this tonight. I intend to have this sent off at X, Y, Z time. And it also just helps filter how much time do I want this person to put into it? I have also started to put some boundaries on these conversations. So for example, somebody will say, oh, what do you, what do I do about this? And I will say, is this a quick phone call or should we book an hour together to get that person to do some self-assessment, but also to position myself in a way that my time isn't wasted either. I mentioned a few episodes ago that right now I have nine hours of work each week. And so my time is incredibly precious. And I mentioned to a friend of mine that I'm leasing a new office space so that I have a little bit more space out of my house. And it's very near to where she lives. And she said, oh, great. You'll be so close by. We should go for lunch. And it took a lot for me to say this because I am a people pleaser, but I said, you know, I'd love to go for lunch, but those two work days are actually incredibly precious to me. Let's do it on a day that I don't have to work. So there's always that kind of speed and efficiency element in this. So I've mentioned that in giving advice, Liz and I try to put that disclaimer on there as much as we possibly can. We are two people with two sets of opinions. And yes, we do research and are resourceful, but we don't always have the right way. And it's up to to the user to use their discretion. We've talked a little bit about how when we need advice, we try to be specific about what we're looking for and really empathize with, if I'm asking this person, what am I asking of them? What do I need to get? And the last piece is this idea of figuring out how to get the exact advice you need without actually asking anyone for feedback. On the podcast, Liz and I have shared that sometimes we will just say, I need you to tell me X, Y, Z. So for example, Liz, I need you to tell me that this podcast script is good enough to go ahead, or my proposal is well-written and can be sent off in the morning. Sometimes I know exactly what I need to hear. I'll still ask Liz for it. What I'm trying to do is wean myself off of that a little bit to improve my guts. 
if there's one thing that I'm really trying to focus on, it's honing in on my guts and my intuition, because it's typically not something I'm good at. I've said, I don't have good guts. And if I'm honest, I think my guts are just out of practice because for so long I've looked for advice. I've looked for feedback or for the right way to do it. And this isn't just in work. This is also in, in parenting. I've assumed that anybody who's ever had a child knows what's right over what I know. Maybe I haven't done it before, but still my child. So trying to trust that a little bit more is something I'm really working on. So I, I offer this to you, which is when you're trying to think about what to do and your inclination is to ask for advice, start with what do you want to hear? And think about the advice that you want somebody to give you that would give you permission and do it without asking. Not only is it going to save time and some agony and some back and forth, but I think it will help you hone those guts. At the very least, I think it will help us get better at asking for exactly what we need. When I can come to Liz and say, I need you to tell me that this is priced correctly. It's a lot faster for both of us than saying, hey, can you read this eight page proposal and tell me what you think? Because tell me what you think is setting Liz up for spending two hours with this thing. Instead of here's what I need to hear. Can you just tell me that thing? Because often it's more about permission than it is about the actual task at hand. It's really hard to give ourselves permission. It's something that I would say every week, somebody is in my Zoom room and we are talking about permission. And I think when we're looking for advice, we're really looking for somebody to tell us that we're allowed to do whatever that thing is that we want. And so I would love for you to step back and do a little bit of, okay, what do I want to hear? And let me use this as evidence and proof that I can start to trust my own guts. Within this episode, we've talked a little bit about proposals and pricing. And one of my favorite phrases that I laugh and joke about is, take my advice, I'm not using it. And in the next episode, we're going to talk explicitly about pricing, as well as a little bit about flexibility and working for yourself and how these two things relate. This is an area that I love to work on with my clients. When anybody has a pricing challenge, I'm like, come to me, let's talk about it. I love digging into it. And I don't know if that's just because I love money. Um, my background as a math teacher might come in here where I love working with percents and figures, but I also know that it's an area where I still need help. So it's an area that I'm working on. I'm trying to solicit far less feedback and advice about it. And so we are going to explicitly talk about pricing in the next episode. And it's a challenge to myself to say, take my own advice. Listeners can't see Amanda right now, but as soon as she started previewing the next episode, her face is just, she's so lit up. She's so, <laughs> she's so pumped. <laughs> I'm so pumped because I love talking pricing. 
it's something that so many people are scared of. And if there's one thing that you take away from this, it's that if you are scared of pricing, come on down. I love to talk about it. Our, our conversations are of course confidential, but if you want somebody to sit with a notebook and a calculator and do some math, I will also maybe call you on some bullshit if your prices are really low. Um, but that is a hundred percent one of my favorite places to be. And I hope that you'll hear that in the next episode, but I feel like Liz and I will do some really great jams on pricing and I can't wait to hear what you think. But for now, let's talk about our guts. I want us to hone our guts a little bit. I say us because I know I need it too. And as we continue with the podcast, we are again on episode 70. That disclaimer always exists. We are two people with two opinions. We have never said that everything we do is guaranteed to work. There are always special circumstances and ideas. And of course, if you need to hone your guts, if you need a sounding board, somebody to sit with and talk explicitly about your situation, come on down. Uh, you can find me at theamandawagner.com to reach out to me about some private coaching. I have a little bit of space available for the rest of 2022 and we can look into 2023. And if you're looking for a one-off, we can figure out a way to make it work for you because 2023 is coming. And that means it's time to raise your prices. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm absolutely delighted to present this kind of uncomfortable topic about taking advice, giving advice while doing it. But thank you for joining us on the ride. And we will be back to talk more about pricing. So pumped to talk about pricing with you for episode 71. We'll be back with that episode in two weeks. Until then, we will see you on the internet. Seriously, your face, just like, <laughs> ah! I love it. Good. Oh, I love talking about pricing. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. I, you know what? Being in sales for four years probably makes more sense than being a math teacher. You said math teacher, and then I thought you were going sales. No, that's okay. Math, math teacher still works. Mm, all right. That's generous of you. <laughs>